Joy is compassion. Joy is giving yourself to somebody else or something else. And it's a kind of thing that is, in its subtlety and lowness, much more powerful than pleasure. If you get hung up on pleasure, you're doomed. If you pursue joy, you will find everlasting happiness. So with that, I'm gone. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hawk, our hosts, Carl LeClaire, Jason Hunt, and Katie Horn, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This is episode number 366, Top 5, The Rise of Skywalker Moments. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the bullio to my bubble freak, we have Carl LeClaire. Win the war! (laughs) Droids, remember, go black. (laughs) Black, black. (laughs) Black, black. Yes. Oh, two incredibly awesome new characters from Rise of Skywalker. Yes. If I do say so myself. Only one of them survived, though. Oh, that's true. Oh, man, when Bulio's poor little gruesome bloody head gets thrown on that table, though. Oh, brutal. It's brutal. It's quite a moment. It's quite a like, oh, that happened. Yeah. That's a, that's a Mark Hamill cameo, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. I don't. I'm. I think he just does the voice. I don't think he's actually wearing the costume. Right. Yeah. No. He's he's just the voice actor for that character, uh, under a different name, I think, or they just credited the the person in the costume. I'm not sure. But okay. Well, yeah. I. Uh, you know what? Welcome to a new year, Jason. Welcome, everyone, <laughs> to a new year in the lair. It is 2020. We have been off air for two weeks now with just uh, kind of the craziness of a new year before us. And, um, you know, I was thinking if we're going to we're going to come back into a new year of podcasting, why not start with doing the things that we love doing best, which is a top five episode? Yes. And what better to discuss than episode nine, Rise of Skywalker? It is very topical. (laughs) (laughs) now for those of you who um are wondering where our uh, our counterpart is the best part of the show miss katie horn katie is um going to be taking a bit of a, a leave of absence from the show for a little while um if you don't follow us on social media you probably didn't see this message um but katie just needs a little bit of time away from star wars um if you do follow katie on social media you've probably seen um, how disappointed and, and disgruntled she is with episode nine, which is totally her right. And she just wants some time away from Star Wars in general, which would also mean time away from a Star Wars podcast. So um, Katie will be will be back when she's ready to be back. She knows the door is open and her chair is always available. So she will be back soon enough. And um, obviously, Jason and I both love her and will miss her and support her in what she's doing because sometimes star Wars doesn't go the way we want. And, and, and that's okay too. And I think it's okay to step away. I know I've done it plenty of times and 
Um, I commend Katie for just having the the wisdom to know when it's time to take a break. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you invest yourself so much in something and it doesn't go the way you want. It's better sometimes to just take a break, step away rather than get all in the weeds on things. And so I, I'm, I'm glad that Katie's taking the time to step away, reset herself. And when she's ready to come back, her chair is warm and ready for her, um, and we'll we'll be ready for that. Um, hopefully, you guys will be able to withstand the onslaught of a Katie Horn return. I'm not sure we will, but we'll do our best um, <laughs> because she is a force of nature. Uh, but until then, uh, it's going to be kind of like the old days, Carl. Yes, yes, and just like the old days where we obviously had always a ton of fun doing top five. Um, yes. I'm excited to talk about, you know, um, Rise of Skywalker has quickly risen in the ranks of my favorite Star Wars movies. Um, Wait, Rise of Skywalker has risen in your ranks? <laughs> that was on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, obviously the first time I saw it, uh, I enjoyed it. I had plenty of complaints um, and I didn't rate it too high initially. Um, but with repeat viewings, I've seen it uh, seven times now. And every time I've seen it, I've liked it more. Um, and 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 I think I've liked it more because of just the simple fact that I've accepted its imperfections because there are plenty um, mm-hmm. and just kind of ignored them for the story it's telling. And I love the story it's telling. I, I just I really, really, really do. I love the themes in it. I love the character development we get in it. The music is phenomenal. Um, and it's got some of the coolest action scene sequences in Star Wars. So. Um, yeah, this movie is the more I see it, the more I like it. And I'm very excited to talk about my current top five moments because this could change again over time as I watch the movie more and more. Um, right. Right. I've I've seen the movie now three times. Um, I, I I work evenings most times, so uh, I don't get I don't have the opportunity to get to the theater as much as Carl does, uh, even though I have gift cards that I can use. Um <laughs> Uh, I've got gift cards to the theater that's literally just – I could walk to it if I wanted to. But um, I just don't have the time sometimes. Um, but I, I'm enjoying it. I acknowledge there are there are flaws in this movie and it's probably – at least at this point, I'm still working through some of those flaws more than I did with either uh, Force Awakens or uh, The Last Jedi. But there's a lot in this movie that I really love. Um and so we're going to talk about that side of things tonight with with our top five moments. So we're not we're not ignoring the flaws for those of you who had issues with the rise of Skywalker, but we're going to take some time away from discussing those and just have fun with what we did love. So um, anything else we need to get to before we jump into our top five? No, um, obviously, since we were away for a couple of weeks, we obviously and like we said a, a while ago, anyway, we won't be doing polls and matchups for a bit. Well, now that we're back in a new year, we will have a poll for you at the end of the episode. So sh- certainly stick around for that. Um, yes. But that being said, Jason, I would love it if you'd kick this party off. All right. Need, uh, so for those of you, I need you to do me a favor, wondering, though, Jason, what I need you to do me a favor. What? Win the war. (laughs) 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 All right. And uh, so we do have some honorable mentions, but we're going to put those in between our number two before we get to our number one moment, folks. So 
Don't worry. But still the Womp is there. We still have honorable mentions. Um, <laughs> but my number five moment in, in The Rise of Skywalker uh, comes from uh, one of the most uh, pivotal moments in the final battle um, on Exegol. And it is the lightsaber handoff between oh, Ray and Kai and uh, Ben. I, you know, honestly, the the Force Skype thing was something uh, with the Last Jedi that it took me a bit to to warm up to. Um, the way they used it, though, and the the build up they they had with it in the Rise of Skywalker won me over, and I really like how it finally. Uh, culminated in this moment and honestly I really like Ben Solo uh, a lot more than Kylo Ren and so when Ben Solo gets to have a really awesome moment I was very happy um, I the the I don't know just the attitude around Adam Driver when he's playing Ben Solo rather than Kylo Ren is a lot more fun and i really wish we had more ben solo but this is a pretty awesome moment for for ben and when he pulls that lightsaber out and has to take down you know his knights of ren um you know finally and definitively cutting off all ties to that order that he was the namesake of um it was really good and you know he he sort of does the the solo shrug right before he just you know completely you know takes takes him down so i i really love that moment um and a lot of my moments are going to be like oh my god it's exciting and <laughs> i don't have a lot of deep thoughts about them uh but you know that if, if you if you listen to the podcast that's not unusual for me oh uh, <laughs> uh, no i love that moment um surprisingly it's not on my top five um because i do love it and I'm glad you brought it up because it gives me a second to say something about it. And, you know, I agree that we, you know, Ryan Johnson gave us this great dynamic between Ray and Kylo in Last Jedi insofar as the force Skyping stuff. And then, you know, it obviously gets elevated in this movie insofar as early on, you know, Kylo is able to snatch a necklace off of her. Um, and yeah. now we see something beautiful in this moment of you know, uh, Ray believing she's going into this by herself and then being able to know that Ben is there with her and she's able to pass off the, the very weapon that he said in episode seven belonged to him. Um, and let him make quick work of the Knights of Ren. Um, the Knights of Ren fight, I really was hoping for more. That was, um, not to be all negative, but that was one thing that was, I still find disappointing is that fight is just way too quick. Um, well, to be to be fair, you know the their weapons are not lightsaber proof, unlike the Praetorian guards. So, as far as I could tell, that's fair. Yeah, which seems silly, but that's a good point. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I also appreciate that it is quick because again, kind of like the Obi Wan and Maul final duel in Rebels. There, right? It's yeah. um the master wins quickly and that's what happens there with Ben. Ben, these knights are no match for Ben solo. So no, um, yeah, that is definitely a great moment. Yeah. I I love it. All right. Well, Carl, what's your number five, my number five. So I've titled all of mine with a quote. So my number five is you're a difficult man. 
And this is that moment. <laughs> Love this moment so much. So when Finn and Poe get back with, with Chewie and, you know, the, the news from a spy, thanks to Bulio, and the, um, Poe and Ray have their first really big on-screen encounter, right, besides their quick meeting at the end of Last Jedi. Yeah. And... When they when Finn and Poe come back, they come back to a very annoyed Ray. Um, Ray has kind of failed in her um, in her exercises. Um, she's still not able to connect to the Jedi who've come before. So right, you, you've kind of got this kind of annoyed and defeated Ray, who then looks up at her beloved ship that she inherited from Han and sees it on fire. Um, and, yeah. and I love how she says to Poe, "You know, what'd you do to Han's ship?" Um, which is somewhat interesting that she still doesn't see it as hers she still sees it as belonging to han um yeah but it is hers right like it is very much her ship um hence her annoyance at why it's in such rough shape and then vice versa poe is equally pissed off about the shape of bb-8 and i just i love this moment with with them bickering with each other because it immediately makes me think of no they're a family this is what families do they bicker they have disagreements they argue Right. Um, it's it's kind of that similar tension we feel at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back when um, Han and Leia are just very contentious with one another. You know, we know that they love each other because they're able to have fights like this. And the fight ultimately comes down to Poe calling out Ray like you should be out there with us, not here. And Finn confirms it. He, he's right. <laughs> you know, um, but Ray has chosen to stay behind to train with Leia. Um, but both Poe and Finn see her as having a deeper purpose out there in the fight. So, um, again, I like this moment because only families can call you out on the, on stuff like that. Right. And only, and and only that type of family love allows you to, to be that, um, kind of outspoken (laughs) with, with the people you're close with. So, yeah, no, it's it's a great scene i really do love it um it it really kind of sets the tone for where they have gotten to um in the past year because it's a it's about a year since the last jedi correct if i remember correctly yeah yeah, Yeah. yep they say it's a year later um so it's it's definitely you know really sets the tone for for how comfortable they are with each other and poe knows ray's skills you know, enough to call her out and say, we need you out there, you know, and, uh, you know, not to say she's not doing the right thing or doing good work um, with with the training that she's doing. But, you know, she is needed. Right. And uh, but I, I do love the scene, you know, that they're fighting over the, the Falcon on fire and BB-8's all dinged up because she dropped a tree on him. And, you know, uh, it's it's a great opening you know, sequence for the three of them. Um, uh, I, I'm I'm glad you got to talk about it a bit because I, I really enjoy that that oh, sequence. Me too. You know what you are? You're difficult. You're a difficult man. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it, it is very good. <laughs> Bad mood? Me? No, him. Always. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, so what's your number four? My number four uh, <laughs> is Babu Frick and C-3PO. Um, nice. I, I love Babu Frick 
uh, and the whole lead up to having to to reset Repio's, you know, do do the memory wipe to unlock the the stuff in in Repio's head, um, and then putting him back together, rebooting him. Just Babu Frick cracks me up in general. Um, I love Babu Frick, uh, but you know, I, I I quoted his line earlier. You know, droid, remember, go blah. Um, and <laughs> is one of my favorite lines because, you know, otherwise he's just talking in his gibberish, you know, language. And then he just broken English says that and it's hilarious. Um, and then when 3PO wakes back up, he's like, oh, hello, I am C-3PO, human cyber relations. And you are? Um, and Babu Frick is the first one to introduce himself. <laughs> uh, you know. I, Babu Freak. Oh, hello there. You know, and then of course Three Pio calls him his one of his oldest friends later on. Um it's I the two of them are hilarious to me and and I really just love the those little moments. I think Three Pio had a lot of really good moments in uh in this movie and we've I think we've mentioned them previous. Um but Three uh, Pio was on point in the Rise of Skywalker. And I appreciate that. So, yeah, I would say um, up until Rise of Skywalker, my favorite three PO performance was in A New Hope. But now this takes the cake. He's so funny, so he's, good, and he's, so, he's so and he's so integral to the plot. Yep. Um, yeah. No, oh, it's good. But yeah, but yeah, that dynamic between him and Babu Frick is just. There's not much you can say about it other than like it's great. <laughs> it's know? great it and it's hilarious. Yeah. So, oh, um, in the uh, when. Babu finishes um, doing his little mind wipe and reset of 3PO. Um, and he goes, Droid is ready. Yeah. <laughs> Droid is ready. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Oh. It's so good. Uh, oh. Uh, oh, wait. I just remembered something else. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. It's, uh, it's great. Yeah. They're they're such a great little pair, so I am not surprised that they made your list. Excellent. Good. Well, what is your number four, good sir? Well, my number four is – I've titled it Yes Master, and it's The Training of Rey by Jedi Master Leia. Um, and uh, I – every time I watch this movie, when she says Yes Master – I just like my eyes immediately tear up. I love that Leia is the one who's ultimately training Ray. And again, you know, we, we knew before nine came out that the intention was that this was going to be kind of Leia's movie in, in the way that force awakens, you know, as far as legacy characters go, right. Han was a huge part of force awakens. Luke was the big part of last Jedi. Leia was supposed to be this, but obviously losing Carrie um, a few years ago, really put a damper in those plans. And this is one thing. I mean, I know, again, you and I both know that this movie is certainly not perfect. But one thing I really commend JJ on is working in this footage of Leia so that you can make her an integral part of this story. Um, And there are definitely times when you can tell that it's a bit forced. um, But I would say overall, it works really, really damn well. And um, I made this comment on Twitter just last night. Um, when I was thinking about do, when I was putting my list together, I love that first shot we get of Ray of her levitating and meditating. I swear, if Carrie was alive, we would have probably seen her force levitating too, right next to Ray, right there mm. in that moment with her, rather than standing off to the side because that's all they had footage they had. Right. Um, 
So I think obviously not having Carrie really, really hampered Leia's, um, you know, uh, abilities to do more. But I just, I love that she's the one who's training Ray. And I love in the, the training sequence itself, um, after Ray is able to destroy the seeker droid, she has a vision, right? Um, I don't know. I'm still not sure if that's like connected with Kylo reaching out to her or not. I don't know if they're both having visions at the same time because it also seems like Kylo's having a vision in that moment where he's having to relive, you know, the bad choices he's made in so far as destroying the Luke's temple and killing his father. But you also have Rey having this, you know, this convoluted vision of the Sith throne as well as her life up to this point. And the thing that I like about the fact that Ray's having a vision is that immediately connects us to, in a way, the character of Anakin. Um, Anakin also has visions. And the problem with Anakin is he allows those visions to kind of determine his fate. Ray is something different. Um, Ray is able to have a vision and not fully believe that this is what will be, right? Yeah. Um, she understands that this is you know, visions of the future are always in motion. Nothing, nothing is set. Nothing is determined yeah. in what lies well, ahead. Here, here's the thing is Anakin has visions and um, doesn't believe he has the power to change them. And so he tries to achieve power in order to change them. Luke has a vision, an empire, and thinks the, the only one who can change that vision is him. And so he runs off to do that. Ray has a vision and kind of just keeps it to herself. Mm. Um, it All three of our main protagonists in this have had visions, and she's the only one that sort of takes a step back. Uh, but she even brings it up later on um, when, you know, or d- during the middle of the movie when she's talking about, you know, I had a vision. I saw the throne of the Sith and who was on it? Kylo Ren. No, me. And and she, she, saw, she sees, sees both of them. Yeah, yeah, she sees both of them. Yeah, um, and and she, uh, I don't know if she seems resigned to that, but I don't know if she's convinced that you know that there's anything she can do about it. Um, she's not driving towards it. She's trying to kind of avoid it, maybe, um, but she's still kind of has that sort of like, I don't know if there's a way around this. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, also embedded in this training stuff with, with Ray. And again, I'm, I love it. I mean, we know that she's training Ray when she literally refers to her as master. Um, and, um, when, the train kind of comes to an abrupt end when Ray decides to leave to try to find Exegol and Leia embraces her and she's getting ready to leave. I just, I love, again, you know me, I love that single tear and the single tear that comes out <laughs> Ray's cheek as Leia's embracing her, I think is also just a very beautifully powerful new thing for star Wars that this is the feminine master embracing the feminine heroine. And that's something new in Star Wars. And I think it's really powerful and it's something that we need. Um, you think about, you know, Qui-Gon and Anakin or Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan or Obi-Wan and Anakin. 
you know, and the way that their master apprentice relationship looks. It's always one of kind of detachment. Um, you know, heaven forbid you show too much emotion. But in this moment, we see that a really good master is capable of literally embracing their apprentice and telling them a very profound truth, which is never be afraid of who you are. And I love that line from Leia because ultimately what her final instruction to Ray is, is that um, self-acceptance is what you need to be a hero. You know, as soon as you come to accept who you are and you get to define who you are, that's when you become the hero. That's when you're holy. Um, so I love that encounter there. The way that she holds her and embraces her is something that was sorely missing from the Jedi way for probably thousands of years. So thank God for Leia. <laughs> so that's my number four. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, number three then, correct? Correct. Um, my number three is the the duel on slash above Kajimi. Ooh. Uh, between Ray and Kylo. Um, I the the you know character stuff going on between them is is really good. Um, the the actual duel itself is not too flashy. It's a bit minimalistic as far as the the actual combat itself. But I really, really, really like the way it cuts back and forth and blends the two locations together um, as they have this scene, this confrontation, this duel, this conversation um, between, you know, Kylo's quarters up on a Star Destroyer and the uh, the plaza square um, in Kajimi uh, and and how things bleed over from one into the other and the the way that they cut back and forth and blended it and everything it was really really fascinating and really well done um, and and I really like that um, and that honestly is probably the scene that really sold me on this whole, you know, connection that Ray and Kylo have. Um, and the fact that, you know, while Snoke may have bridged their minds in the last Jedi, that was all that was needed because the two of them are now connected. And, uh, this thing, you know, the question is how often has this sort of thing been happening, hmm. you know, in the past year <laughs> right. to get to the point where, Things are basically spilling from one locale into another um, as they have their confrontation. So I really like that scene. Um, and I think it's really, really, really well done uh, from a, a filmmaking and editorial perspective. So, yeah, it's it's really good. And it's, you know, it's a very Empire-esque type duel in the sense that the antagonist is antagonizing our protagonist, right? Kylo and Ray, this isn't really about fighting. This isn't about one slaying the other. Right. This is about um, getting under somebody's skin. Right? Yeah. Kylo really wants her to turn to the dark side. I mean, he made that point earlier in the movie in their first force connection there. You know, he says, I'm going to find you and turn you to the dark side. That's that's his goal for her. Yeah, um, he wants her to join him so that they can destroy the emperor and they can rule an empire together. That's what he's after. So what he's trying to do is, 
you know, dig up all that pain that she's trying to suppress. Like, you know that your parents are nobody, but they chose to be nobody. And Palpatine's the one that wanted to kill them. He's an asshole. We should go after him. Right, right. We've got to kill him. Um, and this, is, I know who you really are. You remember more than, you know, you just don't admit it to yourself. Right. You know, and if I'll come tell you, yeah. And then he cuts the connection. Right. And if you think about it, like in this movie, um, Kylo's the one who's in control. Ray is the one who is not right. You think yeah. of force awakens Kylo. I mean, having his tantrums and destroying computers and, choking officers here. We have a very controlled Kylo, but Ray's the one who always strikes first in this movie. She's the one he is getting under her skin. She doesn't want to face the truth, but Kylo's using the truth. Uh, He literally says in this moment, you know, she says, you're lying. He says, I've never lied to you. And he hasn't. Um, And he's, but the thing is, is he's still not quite there yet. uh, In so far as like caring for her correctly, He's still holding this over her. He's using it as a way of entrapping her and getting what he wants out of it. He's not offering it as a way of growth for her. He's offering it as a way of temptation to reject any path she's on to go on the one of destruction that he wants to be on. So, yeah, that's a it's it's really good. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. All right, Carl, you're number three. Number what do we got? Th- number three, I've titled Be With Me. Ah. And this is that moment towards the end of the movie where Ray connects to the Force in the personage of the Jedi who've gone before. Um, so I love that. In the, the first time we see Ray in this movie, they're on Agent Kloss, which is quickly becoming one of my favorite Star Wars planets. Um, we have her attempting to connect to the Jedi that came before. And she's seeking a sense of belonging to them, that she's on the right path, that she's supposed to be a Jedi, right? I mean, Luke never really made it clear to her that that's what she should be doing. Um, if anything, he was trying to prove the opposite point. Um, and I think she's seeking some sort of confirmation of her calling, if you will. And here at the end of the movie, she's lying there, ultimately defeated. Ben's been... I. You know, for all she knows, defeated. The fleet is about to go down. So mm-hmm. she resorts to the one thing that she knows can help her win, which is connecting to the Jedi who've gone before. Um, and she really wants this confirmation that she's doing the will of the Force. Um, so, yeah, um, she she reaches out to them and... It reaches back and it reaches yeah. back in the voice of the Jedi who've gone before. And some of them aren't Jedi, i.e. Ahsoka, i.e. technically Kanan. Um, people would probably come at me for that. Whatever. I don't care. I, I see him as a new kind of Jedi. <laughs> um, but Ahsoka <laughs> is no Jedi. She made that very clear. Yeah. Um, Not anymore anyways. Right. And what I love about that is that the force is made up of all of those who gave their lives right in the service of doing, doing good. Um, and ultimately Ray's deepest fear, I would say in this movie, and it's one that, you know, her fears have changed in each movie in some ways or, or evolved even is she's ultimately afraid. She is, a, she's still ultimately afraid to be alone. 
Yeah. And what the Force reminds her in the voice of Anakin, Luminara, Yoda, Obi-Wan, Luke, Kanan, Ahsoka, and Mace Windu is that she is not alone. Um, and she never will be alone. Um, and this kind of allows her to realize that she is the fullness of what the force has called her out to be. That Ray is in fact a Jedi. Um, and that gives her the ability to stand on her own two feet. She knows that she's done the right thing in life, that the force led her to this and she is more than capable of dealing with this conflict. Um, and it allows her to rise onto her two feet. And I just love that moment that the force has her back and she believes that this is who she is. Yeah. Excellent. I will reserve comment. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so we, we go to our number twos. All right. Uh, number two uh, um, is the uh, Poe and Finn's speech before Exegol. Nice. Um, as the uh, resistance is ramping up, uh, you know, making their final plans, loading everything up, and we get, you know, the the montage of everyone boarding their ships and getting ready for this this final battle to end all battles, essentially. Uh, and and the the speech from Poe and Finn continues to go on and build you up, and it just capped off icing on the cake uh, with the March of the Resistance. Oh, oh, it's so good. The honestly, as the music swells and the the blockade runner takes off through the trees, is one of my favorite shots in that whole sequence. Uh, it's so good and it gets you pumped up it just gets you pumped up and excited and and you're like all right we're we can do this we can do this we really can um until you get to exegol and realize how woefully overmatched they are um (laughs) so um but it's really it's really great and i really appreciate that kind of that scene um and and having you know poe be the one to really be making the speech um after having expressing his doubts to um uh zara zora no zori zori thank you Hmm? it's like why couldn't i remember her name um (laughs) yeah zori bliss uh on the the rooftop of kajimi um it's because i don't have the freaking visual guide yet and i need that um so anyways, uh, but, uh, you know, after he's, you know, ex- exposed the, the fears that they're they really might just be alone, you know. Yeah. Um, and then he he tells everyone that this is we're not alone. This is our fight. We will win. Um, and good people will help us if we lead them, um, which is why Lando and Chewie run off. Uh, to the core worlds, and then just as a as a, a, a an addition to this scene, the the shot of the uh, I won't say resistance fleet, but the shot of you know all the people that show up to help mm. fight uh, during the battle uh, as they they arrive, you know, at the the final moment is just 
yeah, it's so perfect. So, yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so yeah, I, I, you know, everyone knows, um, everyone should know that the uh, the March of the Resistance is my favorite piece from the sequel trilogy, uh, piece of music from the sequel trilogy, and so uh, that combined with the speech and the the awesome montage visuals, I love a good montage in general, uh, not just in Star Wars, but in general, I love a good montage. So that. That's why that's my number two. I love it. I love it. There's not nothing like a good Star Wars speech to lift your spirits, yeah. right? Um, right, uh, right, Jin. Uh, right, Jin. Exactly. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. This is not on my list either, but um, I also really like this moment and, um, you know, uh, Poe showing the com- kind of the uh, how he's come fully through his own arc. Um, you know, he goes from just hot shot pilot and force awakens to someone Leia is grooming to be a leader in the, in the resistance, um, fighting through the failures of what it means to be a leader rather than a hero. Um, and you know, strive first to be a leader and you may become a leader, a hero, right? Like that should be the goal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and Poe's definitely learned that and he knows what they're up against, but he also, the hope that was in Leia is very much alive in Poe. Um, and I love the speech that just the way he gets the troops pumped up and ready to go, which that was the first thing I loved about Poe in Force Awakens is that moment when they're all going off to lead the charge against Starkiller base. And he walks by Finn and gives him the double the double pump on the chest there with his fist, yeah. you know, pumping up Finn one more time. And that's what Poe is. But now he's doing it in a much bigger way. He's not yeah. just doing this with another guy in the trenches. He's doing this with the leaders. He's able to inspire leaders to join the fight. So yeah. um, it's incredible what Poe's able to do. And Finn right there with him. Finn right yeah. there believing it too. Um, they can't do this on their own. I need you in command there with me. Thank you, General. General. <laughs> um, <laughs> love that's, that little that's moment. That's one of the best so good. Too. So good. Thank you, General. General. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, um, oh, I have to give my number two. Duh. Yeah, your number two and then honorable mentions. Honorable mentions after. So I have titled my number two as Dad. I know. Uh, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I am in tears every freaking time I watch this scene. It is so, so good. What, Carl? I I am surprised at you. <laughs> yes, I, I cannot believe this. Something with Han Solo <laughs> made my list. <laughs> what? What? Um, uh. <laughs> but this this scene isn't about Han. It's about Ben. And right. um, I the reason I love that Han's there is because he needs to be in a lot of ways. I think so. Again, I'm going to break this scene down as quick as I can. It begins with. Leia knowing she only has the strength to do one last thing to reach her son. As Maz is saying that again, we get the Han and Leia theme playing. It's their love theme. So again, it's the two of them together who are going to do this. Leia simply says his name. And I think that's all it takes for him to know that Leia forgives him. Right. I mean, obviously just in the previous scene, he tells Ray, you know, um, you can't, you can't go back to her. Neither can I, neither can I. Yeah. Um, well, just like I can't the actual Mm. line. Um, but, uh, excuse me, you've seen it (laughs) twice as many times as I have. God, (laughs) (laughs) 
Good point. <laughs> I've um, given you a hard time. I know. Uh, so, but uh, right, this is this scene is so much about bringing to completion what was already hinted at and Force Awakens, and then further fleshed out in Last Jedi, which was when Han and Leia are together talking about their son. Han feels defeated. You know, our son's gone forever. No, we can still save him. Me and you. And Han's kind of flabbergasted by that. He reaches out to his son and is sadly denied. Luke in Last Jedi says to Leia, um, I can't save him. And Leia admits that she's lost hope. My son is gone. No one's ever really gone. And then he hands her those dice while Han and Leia's theme plays yet again. Again, look to John Williams. John Williams understands Star Wars better than all of us. <laughs> um, yeah. And John Williams now uses that same theme to initiate Ben's redemption. It's the love of his father and mother. He feels that forgiveness in Leia because she reaches out to him, this woman he thought he could not go back to. But Ben is hiding the pain of the guilt he feels for killing Han in the mask of Kylo Ren. So Han needs to be the one that Ben is forgiven by so that he's finally able to forgive himself. And that's the thing that's haunting him. Ray says as much at the beginning of the movie. I see through the cracks in your mask. You're still haunted by what you did to your father. It needs to be Han. It needs to be. And I know a lot of, and again, I don't think he would have been there had Carrie not passed. I'm sure Leia would have brought Han up in that moment, but I don't think he would have been there. Um, so the fact that they obviously tapped Harrison in light of Carrie's passing makes sense. And I love that we don't exactly know how Han is there. We're told he's a memory, but we've never seen memories come to life before. I still think it's Leia. Leia is pulling that out of his memory. That's my headcanon. I have no proof of this. <laughs> this is just how I choose to believe it. Um, but I think it's a good theory. Yeah. It's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Ben gets to play out that last encounter he had with his father. And this time it goes differently. You know, I, I don't know if I have the strength to do it. And Han reaches up and says, you do. Han believes in him and knows that he is still a good person. And when Ben says dad, and that's all he's able to say in that quivering, beautiful voice, Han says, I know. So the first time I saw it, I thought Ben was going to say, dad, I'm sorry. But the fact that they choose to have Han say, I know means that I think he was going to say, I love you. Right. Cause that's what the, I know exchange is you know, connected to in Star Wars. I love you. Yeah. I know. So when Han says, I know, I think Ben was going to say, dad, I love you. And Han knows it. So again, it's this beautiful inversion of the original trilogy redemption arc, which is the son saving the father. Here we have the father saving the son. And I think that works very well because Kylo Ren is kind of an inversion of Darth Vader. Right. He's the one who's trying to choose the darkness. He's tempted by the light. Again, that was something that Force Awakens did that was really neat and new. And now we see that come full circle is that it's the father who the son rejected, who still reminds the son that he's forgivable. And then Ben is finally free to chuck off the, the guilt and pain of Kylo Ren. I absolutely love this scene. It's really good. It's really good. Um, 
uh, I'm going to just sort of roll into honorable mentions because this Perfect. is one of my honorable mentions. Love it. So um, it, it's a very fantastic scene, and and I, I title it the the return of Ben Solo, um, because it is, and 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 the whole scene, you know, from. Leia reaching out and saying his name to Ray telling him that she wanted to take Ben Solo's hand, not mm-hmm. Kylo's hand, um, and then leaving him there. Uh, and then, you know, at last he it's the seas are quieting. He's left there alone, staring out over the water, and this memory is triggered. Um I like your theory, your theory by Leia. Um and and he is able to replay and fix in his mind the moment that haunts him the most and and he's able to to take that moment that he cannot get rid of and that he feels so much guilt for and redo it the right way mm-hmm. in the way that he knows should have been done. Mm-hmm. Um, but he chose the opposite. Um, and and to get that forgiveness from his father, even though Han is probably not really there, you know, it's 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 murky, but we'll let it go um, because the force can do a lot of strange and wonderful things. Um, and then he, he finally turns and throws that lightsaber as far as he can into the ocean. And the weight lifts off his shoulders in that moment. Yeah. And it's, it's really, really awesome. I really love that scene. Um, I, I have always been intrigued by the journey of Kylo Ren, Ben Solo. Um, and the way that they led up to this moment, um, was perfect in my opinion. Uh, I think, I think he, his redemption, um, and the way that they work their redemption is is just absolutely brilliant for that character. And that really is one of the most memorable and defining moments of this movie mm-hmm. is uh, him out there looking over the ocean, talking with his father. Yeah. So. And those are great shots too, just visually. They're some oh, of yeah. My favorite Star Wars shots. The just the initial one of of Kylo standing there by himself, but then the one once he says "Hey, kid," and then you turn, you get them that very distant wide angle shot of the two of them standing there, um, with the ocean beneath them. Oh, so beautiful! It's, it's a it's, pl- it's a place of rebirth. It's great. Yep. Yep. All right. So that was my first honorable mention. Do you have an honorable mention you want to throw yeah. out there? Yes, I do. I've got a couple as well. Um, and Excellent. The, First one I'll mention is uh, the the new Jedi charge on the the Star Destroyer. That's right. I'm choosing to call it Jedi because that's what they are. Um, 
I love the exchange between Finn and Janna. And this Janna is a character I really wish had been explored more. Zori as well, but Zori serves her purpose, and I think she doesn't need to be a big role. Janna is a character I really wish we'd gotten to delve into more and see a bit more of. Um, it's, to me, it made abundantly clear that Janna and Finn are Force-sensitive. Um, and yeah. the conversation they have in the Falcon and that Jana says we all had this feeling and then Finn helps her understand what that feeling was. It's called the force and it's in all of us. Um, and the reason um, and, and I thought of this, the one of the times I was seeing the movie, I came home thinking about how that's kind of what this this moment of them charging on the on the Star Destroyer, which just in and of itself, just objectively speaking, is awesome. Like, it's so cool seeing this you know charge of soldiers on horseback on a star destroyer with the music blasting but the song that is playing in all of its glory is the force theme look to john williams he tells us the star wars story yes in that moment why play the force theme why not do the rebel theme or the march of the resistance either one could have worked fine Nope. Let's use the force theme because these are force sensitive people. These are the new kind of Jedi that are not the ones that are captured as children. That's what the first order also did. Again, like I love how the way first order stormtroopers are confiscated is the same way Jedi confiscated kids in the old times. So again, a nice reminder that the Jedi were doing it wrong all through the prequels. Um, Not that the Jedi are evil or not necessary, but they were doing it wrong. And I love this new tale that the force is still very alive and speaking to people and calling out to them. And here in this moment, we see them in a new way charging forward. It's a new kind of Jedi. And again, I would love to see stories about them after Rise of Skywalker with Rey in charge, Finn in training, Janna in training, however that might look. But I love this moment because to me, I'd put it akin to the Jedi charging into the arena at Geonosis. It's a very different kind of Jedi charge, but it's mm-hmm. all the same because these are force sensitives doing the will of the force. So I love uh. it. And it also couples, I've seen people point this out. It also couples is that in a way stormtrooper revolution. Again, I think it could have been fleshed out better. This idea that, you know, these troopers laid down their arms. We didn't see it, but we know it happened. Um, again, they've got no qualms riding in and killing others but <laughs> again so that that calls into question some things but also the final order is not the first order these are a diff- the sith troopers are a different breed um, yeah not to, not to say that they're therefore inherently evil but again it is something different so you do have these sith warriors whatever that means against these new type of force warriors which again it's just like this is that ancient battle of good versus evil and i love it yeah I I love this, uh, and I love your your interpretation of this. Um, it's a it's a fantastic scene. It's a really awesome shot, uh, and it's just exciting. Yeah. But the the spin that you've just put on it uh, makes me very happy, and I love <laughs> that you referenced the the Jedi charge in Geonosis. Not you might. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I this this scene has just gone up in my my books now. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. And I do like that because, you know, we – what we have been told by J.J. Abrams is that what Finn has been wanting to tell Ray the whole time is that he's Force-sensitive. Yeah. And that was what he was going to tell her uh, before they, they sunk into the the sand on 
uh, Pasana. Um, and the thing that, that Poe kept needling him about. Um, and, and obviously we see that when, uh, the, the, uh, final order forces are defeated and Ray collapses and dies. Yes. Uh, and Finn just, he feels it. Yes. He feels it strongly. Yeah. Um, and, and so he is definitely force sensitive, and I like the the idea that the reason why these troopers laid down their arms when they were told to murder civilians is because they were force sensitive and they were listening to that that small voice, that will of the force, um, and and seeing them charge back into battle on the side of you know good and and is is really a, a fascinating thing and a really cool shot <laughs> i i mean let's be honest that's there's almost no shot in the movie cooler than that um <laughs> it's a good one it's a real good one but that's awesome glad you brought it up yeah um i do have one more honorable mention to bring up before we get to our number ones good um and and this is the aki aki festival of the ancestors yes i've recorded um, two years Oh yes, it's been so good. And and, and I, I, the whole sequence from when they're they're walking around the corner and they see it, and and three PO has this moment, you know, extolling the the amazing virtues, and the, it's so wonderful that we were able to catch it. And they all just stare at him, and then he turns around to see who they're staring at. Um, <laughs> um, all that the the dancing and everything, the the culture of the Aki Aki people. Um, is just a really fascinating and really cool visual and immersive uh, location for this part of the movie. And, and I, I don't remember if I said it before we started recording or after I started recording, but I really, really want an extended version of the soundtrack with the source music for the Aki Aki festival. I want the music. Yeah, um, I do too. So, because I think that's Lee Manuel Miranda again too. I think that's his name. Uh, Lin, yeah, Lin, Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Most I'm likely. Sure, I'm pretty sure because I know he did something for this. It seems like that would. I'm pretty sure that that's right. I'm sure someone's screaming at us right now. We just can't hear you. Um, yeah. So. Oh, it, it might have been um, in the the bar on Kajimi. Uh, Kajimi. Yeah. Maybe he did both. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. No, I'm with you. The Akiyaki uh, Festival is so cool. Um, and it, it, I think it's interesting to note that they do point out that it's three PO tells us it's every 42 years. So it means the last one was the year that a new hope happened. Um, which I think is accurate. I'm almost positive. That's accurate because it's now 31 years since return of the Jedi. Um, oh no. So, but never mind. My math is off. No. Yeah. It's sometime before a new hope, but whatever. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's just it's it's really cool that because this is one thing that I think the sequels um, haven't done a great job with just in general is is really giving us a sense of inhabited worlds and indigenous peoples. I mean, we don't really get that in any of the sequels until now. We kind of do finally get that with the Akiyaki. Um, I guess I honestly wish we'd gotten a little bit more like I yeah. love that it's Lando there that rescues them, but it would have been really cool if it had been someone that was an Akiyaki. 
Um, so again, just like something a little bit more, but this is the most we've gotten in the sequel trilogy. I mean, yes, we get a sense of the type of people that hang out, um, on Canto bite. They're all money grubbing losers. Um, but, and the kind of people that end up on Jakku, but right. But we don't get a lot into that. Exactly. So, and, and it's probably just because it is something that is cultural, right? I mean, it's literally them doing a cultural festival. So it, even with being very little, it's enough. There's enough there to give us a sense that there's something rich there, right? I mean, we have children hearing a story, you know, a puppet, a puppeteer telling them a story. We yeah. have adults dancing and celebrating something from their ancestors. So it's like there's just like this cultural richness to that moment, even if it is brief. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool. Um do you have any other honorable mention? You said you had another honorable mention? I do. Mention? I have one more, um, which I call Praying Poe. Um, and it's, <laughs> it's that brief scene where he is, you know, looks like he's praying to Leia. I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know if that was a J.J. Abrams direction or just an Oscar Isaac decision to have his hands folded like that. Now, again, I'm not trying to say that when people hold their hands like that, it means they're praying. Of course not. But I just think, you know, in Western culture, that's typically the way people hold themselves when they're at prayer and pose kneeling at the foot of her bed, which is a very Western idea of praying. Um, yep. But in a way he is though. I mean, he's, he's seeking guidance. He feels so lost right now in this moment and very yeah. defeated. I mean, Leia alone could figure out what to, have to do with all this. And into this moment again, comes a legacy character um, and it's Lando. And Lando teaches us one of the most important lessons in Star Wars. And it's a reminder lesson, but it's a damn good one, which is we had each other. That's how we won, right? The importance of doing this together. And just a very quick note about the fact that I love that the way the legacy characters are all used in this movie in particular. Um, And insofar as that they don't save the day. But the lessons that they have learned in their own long lives are still important, right? And I think that that's a message we culturally need to be reminded of right now, especially mm-hmm. younger people. We tend to look at older people. Wisdom from the past is something to be shrugged off and ignored. Oh, they don't get how things work these days. But the reality right. is they often do. Life is life, right? <laughs> like, And Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie, Lando, they've all seen some stuff. So, of course, they have some last bits of advice to give to this new generation. This is literally, right? The point of the sequel trilogy was about handing Excalibur over, right? Passing the torch to a new generation. That's what the legacy characters are fully doing in this movie. Even their arcs, their sequel arcs, all come full circle in Rise of Skywalker. So, again, I don't see it as them being more important than our new characters, but they're there to offer their wisdom when they're feeling most defeated. And I think that is the point of legacy. That is the point of the things we inherit. Yes, we inherit the sins of our past, but we can also inherit the glories of our past. And I think that's what our legacy characters offer in this movie is they offer lessons out of their own struggles, failures, and mistakes, as well as their triumphs, right? Lando's offering this final piece of advice out of an experience of triumph. How did we win? We worked together. (laughs) We were a family. So I yeah. love it. I love the way they're used. Yeah. No, it's really good. It's really, really good. Um, and 
I think I've said this before on the podcast, but this is my favorite um, my favorite use of Lando. Mm, he's so good, yeah. Uh, it, in any movie, honestly. Yeah. I, I, I do enjoy him in Solo, um, and he's a real cool cat in Empire and Return of the Jedi, but I really like Lando in The Rise of Skywalker. I think he was used very well. Yeah. Um, Not to mention right. his, his pilot there on Pisana. Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. So what a great character. <laughs> you, you barely glimpse him. You see him for two seconds, and he just says, okay. Okay. <laughs> door closes on him. and Oh, uh, so good. Well, I think I think we're ready for number one. Yes. Yes, um, we are. I was going to try to get to the visual dictionary, but it's just out of reach. Because <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure that character's name is in there, the one that says, okay. Oh, nice, nice. Um, but what is your number one? My number one, um, it, this shouldn't be a surprise because it's the only one I said I'd come back to. Um, it's Be With Me. Mm. Uh, the The moment where Ray... Everything seems lost. Everything seems lost. Like you said, uh, Ben has been flung down a chasm. The emperor is, you know, fully corporeal again. He is sitting on the throne. The resistance ships are falling out of the sky. She is beaten, bruised, battered, and almost probably feels, you know, uh, too weak to continue. But she reaches out anyway. Yeah. And she calls out to the force, finds that place of calm beyond all the chaos around her. I love that shot of, you know, speeding up, you know, out of Exegol's atmosphere mm. into space, into the stars. Because yeah. it's it's her finding that calm, reaching out beyond the chaos to, to find something to grab onto and the force and the Jedi are there yeah. and they call back and they respond and they give her the encouragement and the, the strength to continue on and take everything that they are a part of and are and have been and could be and embody that, you know, as Palpatine has said, he is all the Sith. And then she is able to take that and become all the Jedi. And this moment is one of the most amazing things to me as someone who uh, who is a big fan of the Jedi Order um, and the characters of the Jedi and, you know, fan of the prequels and the Clone Wars and all this stuff that goes on with these characters. Um, it really kind of tied it together for me in a way that I was not expecting to happen. Um, and you know, here we were before the movie talking about how we hope we get maybe, you know, Yoda or Obi-Wan or Anakin, you know, as a force ghost or something like that in the movie. And not only do we get all of them as these, these voices of Jedi, but we get Qui-Gon and Luke and Mace Windu and Kanan and Ahsoka and Luminara and Adigalia, and they all reach out and it's just terrific. Um, and, and I think one of the things that we really kind of learn through the whole saga and culminating in the rise of Skywalker 
is that we can't do it alone. Right. We need people to do it with us. And finding the right people is part of the journey and being connected to the right people and the right legacy is very important. Yeah. And it is in that moment where everything comes together uh, in a way that transcends everyone present and becomes, as you said before, good versus evil. This ancient battle, this ancient conflict that is bigger than everyone involved, um, but yet embodied by two people in one moment, mm-hmm. Ray and Palpatine. And that moment is by far and away my favorite moment of this movie. Um, I love it so much. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, and the music in that moment obviously is fantastic. Yeah, it starts with her, the the first part of her theme, and then you know sweeps into I, the fourth theme. Isn't there right too? I'm I I don't remember the well. So here, I, yeah. So well, I, I heard you playing it a little yeah. bit, but I was talking and not listening. Well, no, yeah, I was trying to give some some music to your to your moment. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's this great moment, and it starts with Ray's theme just played on a single piano, which is right. Right here. So this is her kind of like, right? She's expressing herself. She's calling out. And then here we go. Hear those chimes in the background. Something heavenly is responding. As all these voices are speaking. Just her name. Ray. Bring back the balance ring as I did. Right. I love that this is all chimes. Again, just so heavenly. Chimes and harp. Yes. Something is becoming bolder as she's finding her footing, right? Learning to rise up. Yeah. And then you get the force theme as Luke reminds her that the force will be with you. So you don't get that. You get her thing. <laughs> yeah. But it's full body. It's not alone. So good. And then Palpatine notices. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 so good. Uh, and the more I listen to this, and- the, I it, like I said. I've listened to this music a lot. I, I love this score so much. And it just keeps making me honestly think, go to the music. You know, even even if you have qualms with the, the movies, because you will. None of these movies are, are perfect, except Empire Strikes Back. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, John Williams is a master storyteller with this music. And, right, like I love how you pointed out, Jason, right? Like it does, it starts with her theme here in this moment, but it's, Again, it's so smart that he's doing it just on a piano. There's something very solitary about it. But then when we get it again, that full statement of it, it's it's a whole orchestra that's, you know, she's not one yeah. voice anymore. So it's beautiful. Yeah, It's really, really incredible. And that moment really just encapsulates what this movie was striving to do. It didn't get there perfectly, but it got there. It got there in the end, 
and we we had the good defeating evil. You know, I won't say once and for all because there will always be another challenge to deal with. But this evil in particular is not coming back. <laughs> Ideally not. <laughs> Ideally not. Yes. Right. I, yeah. If Palpatine comes back again, I'm going to start having issues. <laughs> you won't be the only one. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Carl. What's your number one? Honestly, I'm surprised that uh, the the Han Solo scene did not end up being number one. Um, well, but what's your yeah. your number? The reason it wasn't my number one is because. Wait, wait. Okay. Guess. Okay. Final scene in the movie. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Got it. Ray Skywalker is what I've titled my favorite moment. Um, and uh, I can't say enough how much I love this scene. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, in my opinion, I, I want to be honest. Like, I know that there are people that this scene does not work for and, and our beloved Katie really dislikes it. And I totally respect that. This is not a scene she enjoys. Um, and she's got her reasons and they're all valid. But these are my reasons for why I love it. Um, this trilogy is about Ray, and to me, this moment and then the moment you were just talking about, Jason, which is that moment where she is able to declare, "I am all the Jedi." That is extremely important. But this is the final step of her journey, which again yeah. is self acceptance. This is where she becomes. Holy, where she becomes the hero or heroine, whatever you want to call her, um, because she has accepted a family for herself. I love that this is how she chooses to identify. Um, and this all comes about in light of the experiences she's just had. She's experienced the selfless love of Ben Solo. And she's been claimed by a family in Finn and Poe. So she has this experience of family. She has this experience of being loved by Ben, by Leia, by Luke. Um, and she goes back. She makes a pilgrimage. That's what this is. This is, you know, I mean, I, I, I saw the people that complained that this is ridiculous that Ray would go settle as a hermit on Tatooine. I don't think at all that this is what that's what she's doing. If it is no. what she's doing, I agree. It is stupid. <laughs> like if she is going there to live in, in some sort of self-imposed exile, that is silly. I agree. But I don't see that this is what that is at all. And I think the track from the soundtrack threw people off because it's called A New Home. The reason I actually love that that's the title of the track is the new home isn't Tatooine. The no, new it's, home is the family. It's the family, but it's also Ray being at home in herself. Yeah. Right. Um, the thing about Ray, both all, all of our main characters of these trilogies have been kind of people in their late teens, early twenties, kind of that, that age range where you really grow into who you are as a person. Not that you ever stop growing, but you know, I mean, I think of the work I literally do every day with college students. These are students who are in their late teens and early 20s who are really entering into the world as adults. They are choosing to be who they want to be as an adult. Um, and again, that's going to obviously continue to to change over time. I'm not the same person at 34 as I was at 24. But, you know, you make these big decisions at this point of life. And that's what George was doing with both the prequels and the original saga is showing us how we choose to be good people. 
and what we need to choose to be good people. And this is the story of Ray choosing a family. And she makes this pilgrimage back to the place where the story began. And she goes there to bury the past. Um, also, you can't really bury Luke and Leia because they're now one with the Force, but she's burying this part of them at a place where it all began. And she's looking to the future with hope here and she finds confidence. So I also love this scene because something I like about rise of Skywalker is there almost seems like an, a prologue to this movie and an epilogue. The prologue of this movie is the opening scenes with Kylo going to Exegol and the emperor being there somehow. Again, I still don't love that. It's not fully explained. Um, But again, I've chosen (laughs) just to set that aside and whatever. Um, But be that as it may, the beginning of the movie starts with like, oh my gosh, there's this ancient power, these ancient prophecies. My gosh, the galaxy is doomed. But the story ends with saying this, this simple little epilogue of remember what always wins, family, love, self acceptance. That's what always wins. And it comes from these humblest of places, these simple roots, these backwater worlds, not these big, extravagant, spooky prophecies, but simply something simple and rooted. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about her going back to tattooing. Um, And in that moment when, right, like I, I, I do agree, like people like to make fun of this movie about like, when does anybody ever ask somebody's last name in Star Wars, which is a valid point. But also, there's lots of things in Star Wars that don't make any sense in the context of other films, but they're there within a film to make sense of that story. This story about Rey is, who is Rey? Who does she belong to? Who does she see herself belonging to? Right. Um, So it's here at the end when she's asked that question one last time, and she sees Luke and Leia. She sees, in a way, her parental figures, the ones who helped mold her into the person she is, the hero that she is. I do still agree that Ben should have been there. Yeah. Um, but uh, she sees them and she makes a choice. She chooses to take that family name and she has all that she's wanted in her journey. When she's on Jakku, what is her biggest desire? She's waiting for her family. Yeah. That family isn't coming back. No. Um, it's not what she was expecting um, when she finds this new family. But often in life, we learn that wonderful things happen in the unexpected. And that also makes me think of all the way back to episode one. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are raiding the Trade Federation battleship. Newt Gunray. That's right. I'm bringing Newt Gunray into this final (laughs) moment from Rise of Skywalker. (laughs) Newt Gunray says, this is impossible. This is impossible. And that was always the point about the Jedi, about the forces of good. They make the impossible possible. So in this moment, Rey is a new Jedi. She's not like the old Jedi. She's something new and she can make the impossible possible. She is someone who has found a family. The very thing she's been desiring this entire journey of hers that we've been with her in the sequels has finally come to fruition. She takes the name Skywalker and she takes that name because that is who she sees her family as. I love it. It's the perfect way to end her arc. In my opinion, that is my favorite part of this movie. I agree. I love it. 
Um, and not only, you know, you said she's burying the past in a sense. Yes. But this is also a, a way of remembrance. You know, you, you know, she's offering a, what she can as sort of a simple Jedi burial, uh, for, uh, Luke and Leia who have now passed into the force, you know, this is this is what she can do because they're no longer corporeally here. So she's going to bury their sabers where it all began. Um, this is not this is not only is this a a a moment for her to pay respect to them um, and say thank you uh, as she accepts the the name Skywalker or takes the name Skywalker, uh, but it is also her symbolizing the end of an era and the beginning of a new, you know, the Luke and Leia as much as they have been involved and integral, you know, up to this point in the story, their story is done and it's her turn to take that torch, move on to the next era. And, uh, you know, make, you know, put put their spirits at rest so to speak not not literally but you know <laughs> in a way you know secure the last vestiges of Luke and Leia in a place that is familiar um and and feels like home you know Leia never lived on Tatooine however it is a familiar place and it is a place of home and a place of beginnings because not only was this the place that, you know, Luke was raised, it is connected to Anakin and Shmi and everyone else that this story started with way back when. Um, and now this little hovel that has seen everything, you know, and been connected to so many important people is probably saying goodbye to its important connections um, <laughs> for, you know, for good as, as Ray moves on in the story and she's got her new lightsaber, which is really cool. Um, I think she made it from her staff. I'm not sure. I haven't gotten a good enough look at it. Uh, um, but I, I, I love this scene. It's a beautiful little scene. Um, and it brings warm feelings to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we got to talk about it. I was hoping it would be on your list because it wasn't quite on mine, although I think it should have been. But I made my list and I stuck with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, Part of the reason I love it so much is the music that plays. It is something so different and yet so perfect and so Star Wars. Yeah. Um, so that does a lot to make me like it more. Um, and I do hear a lot of similarities between this track and Jedi steps from force awakens where her journey was just really beginning where she was finally ascending into something new and here she is settling into it. It's not something glorious. It's not something depressing, but it's also not something joyous. It's just something settled and confident and content. Um, and I think that's a more realistic look at life is that we can't be happy every day, but we sure as heck can be content and joyful in light of all that we experience. And that's what I see here for Ray. Um, Does it have to be tattooing? 
I don't know, maybe not. If she didn't end the movie there, would it have been a different movie? Sure. Um, but I do think it really does make sense um, because she's paying homage to the story that she's connected to. And in a lot of yeah. ways, I see her taking the name Skywalker as a way of really holding that name up in the light. You know, everything she's done is something phenomenal. And the Skywalkers have had a very storied history, thanks to the Emperor <laughs> um, just yeah. constantly getting in the way. But Ray recognizes that name and the value of that name and desires to be part of that name. Um, so, and I think in a lot of ways that name chooses her, right? That lightsaber reached out to her in force awakens. It was the Skywalker blade, right? That belonged to Luke yeah. and his father before him. And now it calls to you. Now it calls to you. Right. Oh, the Skywalker so name calls to her. Um, it's who she is. Because some things are stronger than blood. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah. It's so um, good. I, oh, you mentioned Maz's quote, and I wish she had more to do in Rise of Skywalker. But that's yeah. that's a topic for another podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. I'm so happy we got to talk about all these moments. Um, this was good. Yes. This was really good. Yes. So um, – now that we've talked about all of our favorite moments, uh, it's only fair that you share your favorite moment with us for next week's poll. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, well, we'll get that uh, up there for our next week's poll. Um, the tentative schedule, folks, uh, for the next couple episodes, um, we're going to talk about Mandalorian. Uh, the Now that we have the full season, we're going to talk about that next week. Uh, take a quick break from Rise of Skywalker, and then we're going to come back after Mandalorian real quick to uh, get your thoughts on the Rise of Skywalker. We're going to have a Larian-centered episode. Um, stay tuned to our social media as to the best way as to how to uh, participate in that episode. Um, actually, no. You don't have to stay tuned. Actually, I can tell you right now. Um, uh, we'd love your input on rise of Skywalker. And honestly, the easiest way to do it would be to email us. Um, yes. So that we're not collecting things from Twitter and Facebook. And then e it's honestly just easier to email. Um, and everyone has an email. Not everyone has social media. Um, yes. so email us just at wampuslerpodcast at gmail.com. You can send in a, a short audio clip of yourself talking about it. Please no more than a minute. Um, I realize that's not a lot of time to talk about something that's huge. And obviously we talk about it for hours, but that's a joy of having a podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. but yes, you know, try to keep it to about a minute or you can obviously just type in your thoughts and we'll do our best to read as many as we can. Um, I'm going to say it right now. Don't, don't post it to, so to social media. We're not going to look for it there. So if you want to share your thoughts, just send it to us an email and just make the subject of the email rise of Skywalker thoughts. <laughs> Simple as that. Yeah. That's how it'll yeah. just make it easier for us to coordinate all that. So you can start sending those in today. You can start sending them in now and we'll take them up through the next two weeks. We'll obviously remind you on next week's episode as well. So you got yeah. plenty of time to do that. Um, yeah. And obviously as always, you know, we will monitor what comes in. If somebody, you know, if, if you didn't like the movie, which is totally fine, if, you, you know, you just want to raise your, the things that didn't work for you. Great. Do it respectfully. It'll make the show. If you're just like this movie sucked and it's stupid, that's not going to make the show. <laughs> um, right. Cause there's no thought right. to that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, as always, we've next to never had that issue. So I 
don't anticipate it now. Yeah. You guys, you guys are, are fantastic audience, uh, fantastic Larians, and we really do appreciate it. So, um, we got anything else before we start closing things down here, Carl? No, I think that'll do it. All right. Well, um, remember, folks, email in your thoughts for the Rise of Skywalker show uh, featuring you, our Larians, uh, in two weeks. Also, check out our social media to weigh in on our poll for next week. As a quick reminder, what was your favorite moment of the Rise of Skywalker? Um, and then, Carl, if people want to uh, weigh in on that or just follow anything else we do, where can they do that? Well, obviously, we are on social media. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Wampas Lair. We're on Facebook at Wampas Lair Podcast. And you can email us at Wampas Lair Podcast at gmail.com. All right. And uh, our thoughts and our love go out to Katie, our, our third host, who is not here, uh, taking a break. Uh, so be sure you follow her uh, if you are so inclined to do so at Poe Hot Dameron on Twitter. That's all we got. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. It's been episode number 366, Top 5, The Rise of Skywalker Moments. For Carl and Katie, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here on the Wampus Lair.